ramping up the three estates, preaching to Hollywood, and does the Pope agree with the Lutherans on justification? Probably not. Right now on Table Talk Radio. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The reason is because you don't have the sacraments. See? Yeah. I mean, once you don't have the sacraments, then basically everybody's a pastor. Because that's what a pastor is, a guy that's there to preach the gospel and minister the sacraments. Once the sacraments cease to mean anything in your theological construct, then ministry becomes something different than the giving out of God's gift of forgiveness. The reason why we go to church is not to hear about how we have to go out and, and be missionalists. The reason we go to church is to get the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus instituted the church. And I think that's the point. See, when a pastor considers this option of, hmm, maybe I'll substitute these parts of the liturgy, the the question before him should not be, will it win more people over? The question before them should be, would this deliver Christ in a better way than it already does? And the parts of the liturgy are direct quotes from Holy Scripture. And I don't think that you can improve upon the delivery of Christ uh, from them. I mean, just imagine the next radical that shall be even more radical. This will be the book that I'm going to write. Even more well, radical. What part of cutting off your hand is unclear in the Bible? <laughs> if you still have two hands, you show yourself to be a false disciple of Jesus. <laughs> Mediocrity at its finest. Well... Not that good. <laughs> Take it easy. Table Talk Radio. Take it easy. Don't set expectations high. Remember that's the, how we start the show? Low expectations, low disappointment. That's the philosophy of, of my life. Oh, uh, yeah, me too. Okay, good. All right, what are we doing today? Uh, I, I don't know exactly what order this is all going to happen in, but we have some taking the three estates to the next level, some preaching to Hollywood, and some... Maybe we'll play Ten Commandments in the news with this article. Pope Francis says he agrees with Martin Luther about justification. That's a good of order as any, I, th- I say. Okay. So uh, let's do some buzzwords first. What do you have? I got a, this buzz phrase for you, sin, death, and the devil. Now, there's three of these, uh, there's two of these little trifectas that we use in the catechism. Uh, they're slightly different. The other one is world, flesh, and devil. Uh, this is sin, death, and and world flesh and devil, sorry, sin, death, and devil. Um, so the, these are talking about the things that stand against the Christian life. So sin, death, and the devil are really describe our state, our our fall, our our condition according to nature. We're sinners. We're dying. We're in the captivity of the devil, which is why that when it comes to the gospel, we have a equivalent little trifecta phrase which is forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. So that the Lord takes our sin and he forgives them, forgiveness of sins. The Lord takes our death, he gives us life, life, that's life. And then salvation stands against the devil. So I'm going to give you that little phrase there, sin, death, and the devil. Nice. Um, My theological buzzword for you today comes from someone's private blog. Um, And we'll have to... We'll have to... uh, See if we if if we agree with this or not. It's um, credo baptism, mm. otherwise known as believer's baptism, and uh, defined as the view that baptism is appropriately administered only to those 
who give a believable <laughs> profession of faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder if a believable oh. profession of faith is like, no, I don't believe it. That's yeah, right. It's not good enough. <laughs> he kind of stands up there like Donald Trump says, let me tell you, nobody is more Christian than I am. <laughs> nobody loves the Bible more than me. Nobody reads it more than me. Nobody understands it more than me. I am basically a walking Bible scholar. I'm the best <laughs> at it. I'm the greatest. You're like, I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> is that... that that's just the example that's coming to mind right now. I know. I mean, so nobody loves Jesus and his wife, the Holy Spirit, more than I do. Donald Trump says, you know, <laughs> I, I like. Uh, yeah. So Trump goes, uh, no one respects women more than I do. I'm pretty, nobody. Sh- I'm pretty sure anyone who hasn't been divorced three times like you <laughs> respects women more just than you. Imagine how much money he gave to those his ex-wives. They, I, nobody, he, nobody loves his ex-wives more than he does. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So uh, let's talk about credo baptism. This is the idea that um, that uh, baptism. Oh, well, it doesn't say it here, but oftentimes but the way baptism is said is that it is an outward expression of an inward commitment. Somehow that is like the set-in-stone definition of baptism for some people. And I don't know where they got it. Like, who is the first guy who said that should have trademarked it because he would be rich. Anyway. I, I know I know who it was, but I've forgotten. That outward sign of an inward grace, there, there's a pedigree of it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. I got the Google that All might right, remind You me. work on it. But this is the idea that uh, the baptism doesn't actually do anything or bestow anything or uh, is a, has a promise attached to it. You know, like where Acts 2.38 says that um, uh, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, or where Mark 16.16 16 says uh, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Or, you know, where like... Uh, First Peter three twenty one says baptism now saves you. Those kinds of things. No, not that. It's that baptism is uh, powerless, but it is your outward commitment. So the big deal then for credo baptism is that you want to make sure a person believes before you baptize them. If rather that baptism doesn't depend upon my belief, but the, but, but depends upon God's promise, we baptize people and let it let that promise be the hope and the foundation of people's salvation that's the difference yep i mean what credo baptism when they when the credo baptists start fighting against you know they they expose themselves they also expose who they're fighting against because they say well we i mean it's not like we lutherans have any understanding that baptism saves apart from faith like like they're fighting against i suppose the roman catholic ex opere operata which is, you know, the thing saves like magic, saves in and of itself, the work itself saves. We don't believe that at all, but the promise comes before faith, and baptism delivers a promise. So, I mean, this is kind of, you know, it's it's like they're trying to punch you in the face and it's totally miss. And then in the meantime, they expose their own weakness because now they define faith not as simple trust in the Lord's promise, but rather as a decision, as a testimony, something like this. Which is not the biblical definition of faith, because the biblical definition of faith never excludes children from having faith. Jesus says, woe to you who cause one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble. That's the, I mean, uh, the, the, the biblical picture of faith does not exclude children. But in fact, Jesus says, unless you have faith as a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. The children become, in fact, a picture of faith. Now, now, Jesus didn't say, unless you have faith like a little child that can't, by the way, have faith. I mean, that's not. That's not how it goes. So they show how they have a non-biblical view 
a rationalistic view of what, in fact, faith is. All right, so this blog writer has a couple of uh, supporting texts. The first one from Romans 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism of death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Does that say that you have to have believed before you are baptized? See, this is the—I mean, you can make the Bible say what the um, what the sacramentarians say it says— if you just put in symbolizes all over the place. Mm. So when they mean when they read Romans six, what they hear in their own mind, I don't even think they realize this. What they hear in their own mind is baptism symbolizes dying with Christ mm. and it symbolizes being raised with Christ. That's why they insist on immersion because of the symbol. But that's not what the text says. It says, in fact, in baptism, you die with Christ and you're raised with him. By faith, to walk in newness of life. This is not a symbol. It's a reality. The same thing with the Lord's Supper. They, In their own minds, they, Jesus says, this is my body. And they hear, without even noticing it, this is a symbol of my body. So that language of symbol and sign just kind of is a, is a kind of an automatic interpretive tool that's, 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 that's functioning there. And then the other text, supporting texts are all quotations from the London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689. So, It's a classic. <laughs> I was just reading that last night for my devotions. That's right. Wait, that, that's what people say when, when we're like, hey, the uh, Augsburg Confession says. Others are like, oh, I've been just reading that the other day. <laughs> I'm just saying that everybody has their confession of faith. Yeah, it's true. Okay, uh, so uh, let's... Let's see how much time I got on the clock here. About a minute and a half. I think that's enough time for you to read an email, perhaps. Okay. Uh, let me find one. No problem. Piece of cake. Here's an email. It says, uh, taking the estates to the next level. Pastors, Wolf Mill and Gigline. I'm a recovering Pentecostal, new Table Talk radio listener. I'm slowly alienating myself from my Facebook friends by commenting on their words, well works-focused, purpose-driven, self-centered posts. Pretty soon I expect I'll have as many friends on Facebook as you have listeners. Probably. Thank you. I recently listened to show 383. Destro- I can't believe we've been doing this for so long. Destroying the three estates, as well as Pastor Wolfmuller's sermon preached on June 19th, Mercy, Luke 6. I enjoyed the sermon, how it addressed the news of the nightclub shooting and the church's response. In show 383, you briefly discussed that one of the rules of the estate of the church is to speak to the estate of the state. I would enjoy hearing you discuss what the church might say to the state in its response to the shooting. Feel free to expand your comments to address other current events. Thanks for Table Talk Radio, where the points are like Holy Ghost goosebumps after speaking in tongues more than uh, more than all of you guys. Uh, <laughs> Lauren from California. Hey, that's a nice email, actually. It is. Thanks, Lauren. All right. So um, when you, I think we were talking about these three estates. Uh, let's see if I can get these right: the church, the state, and the home. Yes, home comes first before the state. Remember, always put the state last. Excuse me. Okay, so home, church, state. Um, As noted by the coverage in the news. (laughs) And we have to always say to the state, hey, you don't matter as much as you think you do. (laughs) Well, you're right. Those are the three estates. And and when we were talking about it, you said that the the church uh, informs, advises the state, and we all rolled our eyes because we don't actually ever see that happen. But we're going to let you... Teach us how that happens after this break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, and you can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. We'll be right back. We'll have a
Table Talk Radio, where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are talking about the three estates. And Pastor Wilson, you were preaching a sermon, apparently, about a tragedy, shooting tragedy or something. And this is, remember when that guy, when the um, when the Muslim terrorist went into the gay nightclub in Florida? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shot up to the place. So, so, so how, does, how does the church talk to the state in a moment like that? Here, here I'm going to give you a preface. First, this preface. Paul reminds us this, and I think we need to remember this more than ever now, and we need to emphasize this, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So while there are people who are enemies of the Christians and enemies of Christ and enemies of the church, the Christians have no enemies, no people that we say, I declare you to be an enemy. Other people might declare us to be their enemy, but we never, never ever can declare any single person to be an enemy because every single person is created by God, even though the image of God is lost, it, it, the residual effect is there, you know, which is why God says, hey, you can't murder because you were created in my image. And also, every single person um, has a, is the brother or sister of Jesus. In the incarnation, Jesus became a neighbor to everyone. Even more, every single person that we see, no matter how um, uh, lost they seem to us, no matter how debase or debaucherous or wicked or evil or uh, whatever sort of bad intentions they have, no, no matter how filthy and dirty they are or whatever, every single person is died for by Jesus. He forgave their sins, which means that we never can look at someone with hate or with, a, with any sort of lack of love, every single person, the Christian says, I love you to that person. Ne- never or we can, we can never uh, consider the other person to be our enemy, no, uh, no matter what side of the moral divide or whatever that they are on. So this is very important. So we look at the Muslim terrorists, and you know what the Christian says? I love you. We look at the, um, the, the, the men who are at the gay nightclub, you know what the Christian says? I love you. We look at the, the, the person who is, the, you know, the most w- wicked person, and we say, uh, I love you. And, and not just me, what matters most of all is that Christ loves you, and he dies for you, and he has a plan, in fact, to rescue and redeem you as he has rescued and redeemed me. So that we stand alongside humanity as, as sinners who have been forgiven by Christ and now have the, have the unequivocal command by God to love so, so I think it's so easy, especially like, you know, how, how crazy our politics are. And as we kind of watch our country slide into this moral um, abyss, it's really easy to think, well, I'm, I'm justified in hating that person who stands against Christ. You know, I'm justified in hating that person who is killing the babies. I'm justified in hating that person who's trying to destroy the Constitution or what or whatever. You know, the people who are trying to destroy the things that we love and that and that God has established, we, we, we think that we're justified in hating them. No, no, we are not. In fact, we're called to love. Now, that doesn't mean that we, want to, we can't, you know, fight and work to defend the institutions that God has put in the world and so forth. 
uh, and that we pray that the Lord would establish good and, and righteous governments to also protect his institutions. But we start out with this, with this, with this um, kind of no questions policy of love your neighbor, love your enemy. If someone considers you to be an enemy, you still are required to love them. So, the, the, so that's the that's a place to start. Okay, that's the starting place. But the state has its job, um, I guess, in a, in a in a way to love the citizen by arresting those who would do evil. Um, so that, uh, I mean, not, I don't know that they put it that way, but it has the job of 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 uh, preventing chaos, maintaining order, and um, whereas the Christian, as you said, would start out by saying, um, I. I, I, I love those, even my enemies, as Jesus teaches us. Um, the state has this job of preventing the um, criminal from carrying out the crime. Now, what then does the church have to say to the state? Well, well so the, one of the ways that the church—so we have these three different states, the families, the, the church, the family, and the state. And um, uh, the one of the problems is that the state— um, you know, it's uh, at least in our context, it's supposed to operate according to natural law. So it's supposed to get its sense of right and wrong from looking around, from reason. And you can get the sense of right and wrong from looking around. Now, the state is not doing real well at that. It's, we've lost all sense of natural law. What? We've become evolutionists, and now it's simply a matter of power. What special interest group holds the most coercive power in whatever sort of conversation but but the church has the cliff notes to natural law i mean we got we can see we can see natural law clear we kind of have the 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 cheat sheet for natural law so you can go and study natural law and it says hey you know the family is the basis of society i can see that but then i go to the bible and it says yeah you're right you see this rightly we can go to natural law and say, hey, marriage uh, is a man and a woman bound to each other for life. That's how uh, life is brought about and supported best. And and then we go to the Bible and say, hey, yeah, that's right. We're true. So we have a check on our natural law, on our political philosophy. We can go and see if it matches up with how the Lord has taught us about this. Now, this means that the church has the um, obligation, in fact, to continue to preach to the state both to to commend it when it's right and to correct it when it's wrong. Now, how do we do that, I think, is the specific question of the email. And this is something that I think we can talk about and think about more. But I think one way is that, especially on local politics, that Christians and maybe especially pastors uh, just simply need to communicate more with the elected officials. I got an, an email from a pastor just yesterday, and he had written a letter uh, to his local to his to his uh, to his U.S. congressman for his local district, talking about the um, uh, the FDA and their restriction on cigars. <laughs> now it was some sort of stupid piece of legislation that was going to, you know, tax cigars by by another fifty percent or something. I don't know exactly what it was, but he took the occasion of that legislation to talk about culture and family, and property, and joy in life, and the role of the government in protecting and serving the family. In other words, he used the occasion of this letter, which was talking about this piece of legislation, to encourage the congressman to do the right thing. Now, this is really quite wonderful, uh, to uh, a way to think about how, how we ought to have this conversation. Because in the most part, the the congressmen and the you know the presidents and the governors and they're not coming to hear the preaching, 
So we got to take the preaching to them in as friendly and gentle a way as possible. Um, does that look like, uh, so, so is, is in that task of taking the preaching to them, is that a law gospel preaching or is that a law preaching in like a first use of the law preaching? Yeah, probably it's a, it's mostly going to be a first use, uh, or under the category, perhaps even of wisdom. Uh, so, so I might, I might with... put as like a, a, a thing underneath the signature, uh, come see me for the gospel. This is just law, but okay. gospels at this address. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right. Now, I mean, when gospels needed, we preach the gospel mm-hmm. and everything that we do is for the sake of the gospel. If we, if we're just, if we're trying to maintain order in the world, that's not our office. You know, that's, that, that is why God has given the state, the state. So, so that we're calling them back to their vocation uh in in every way just as the pastor christian pastor would call fathers and mothers back to their vocations of fathers and mothers you know things like that so do you think that that this um the three estates offer something that the two kingdom distinction doesn't oh yeah and absolutely th- okay go ahead what is that well i mean uh the, the you know the, we we love to talk about the two kingdoms god's right hand and left hand is rule through grace in the church and is rule through power in the state but that leaves out the whole conversation of the family and the two and the two kingdoms, which Luther does talk about, but it's rare, in fact, that he talks about, is not nearly as important to the whole construct of the scriptures and our own theology as the three estates, because it's the the, the two kingdoms is really a question about power, how is power used, power and authority, but the but the th- the three estates is talking about station in life, vocation, uh, living in this world, and it lets you talk about the relationship between the two. When you talk about two kingdoms, you're you're separating, but when you're talking about the three estates, you're really showing how they how they uh in fact are interacting with one another. Huh. Yeah, cuz cuz I think um typically as we as we think about things in light of two kingdoms, um I think well, my job as a pastor is uh, ultimately to forgive the sins of those uh, who are willing to hear uh, my voice. And it's not my job to um, institute policy for society. Um, but the, is, the home, is the home the bridge between the state and the church? Well, maybe. Maybe. I'm trying to think about this because the state and the, and the, the home are really, really bound up together. But the church and the families ought to be bound up together as well, uh, and so uh, the the family is the is the kind of center of earthly life. But it was always intended that our earthly life was to be bound up to the life of of God, and so there was never to be a separation between the family and the church. And the state really is is nothing more than the servant of the home to protect the home, so that the home can rejoice in God's gifts. Um, so there is a relationship between the two, but the relationship between the family and the church is different than the relationship between the family and the state. And then uh, altogether again, different, the relationship between the state and the church. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, what do you think? Send us an email questions at tabletalkradio.org. Or if you give us a call, your comment or question goes to the front of the line. 1-800-385-SOLA. 1-800-385-76. Five, two. When we get back from this break on Table Talk Radio, we'll be playing Preaching to Hollywood. After this, don't go away.
where mediocrity comes to feel better about itself. This is Table Talk Radio. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Ain't no sunshine yeah. when she's gone. This song makes me so happy. It's not warm when, when she's, she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone, and she's always gone too long. Anytime she I saw that song away. made it to your Wednesday whatnot after recording Table Talk Radio a few weeks ago. Yeah. Can you hear that bass line? <laughs> you know, there's this tendency that I have that thinks, hey, you want to make it better? You speed it up. But that song, nope. Slow it down, man. It would make Table Talk Radio better if we speed it up. Hey, no there's people do that. They listen to our show in time and a half speed with their mobile app. That works. I mean, I was I, I accidentally was listening to something. I think it was issues, etc. And my thing slowed it down, so it was like point eight. And I'm like, Wilkins sounds drunk. <laughs> but I realized it was my app. It was slowing down his speech. So if someone's listening to Table Talk Radio and gets slowed down to half speed, that is that is torture. <laughs> someone should try it. At what point, you know, it's like um, you, you slow it down to point nine, and it's like ah, they probably had a couple beers. You slow it down to point eight, it's like man, they've been drinking margaritas all that all morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, what we're doing in this segment of the program is playing preaching to Hollywood. I think we had one submitted. Is that was this a submission one? Oh yeah, somewhere. You want, want to read the email? Or... Uh, let's see. Which song are we doing here? Uh, we are doing "Call Me" by Shine Down. Um, I got it here. It's uh, Sean, your future Kansas listener. I think the future Kansas listener is now the current Kansas listener. Do you know, oh, yeah. do you know that for sure, Sean? If it's the Sean that I'm thinking about, that's the case. He says, "I heard this song on the radio and thought it would be a good candidate for preaching to Hollywood." It's called "Call Me" by Shine Down. And then he asks, uh, he also suggests some others which we don't have time for. So. Um, at uh, Sean's request, this is Call Me by Shine Down. Wrap me in a bolt of lightning. Send me on my way, still smiling. Maybe that's the way I should go. Straight into the mouth of the unknown. I left the spare key on the table. So we were talking about before the show. Haven't we done this one? No, I don't think we have. Well, what if we do the second one that Sean recommends? All Simple right. Man by Shinedown. Can we try that? You got it. Anything <laughs> anything for you. <laughs> anything for Sean. We we That's, love Kansas listeners. I'm looking I, I'm looking at this thing like this. Ah, I mean, you know, we try to block the past shows out of our minds, but it has that line in here, call me a sinner, call me a saint, as I'm looking at the lyrics, and I, I remember we did that. The simul. Simul. It's all the simul. Now, Simple Man is what we'll do next by Also Shine Down, which is a cover of a Leonard Skinner classic. So, that's what we got here? Yep. Mama told me when I was young, said, sit beside me, my own 
son Listen closely To what I say And if you do this It'll help you Some sunny day I Time don't live too fast. Troubles will come, they will pass. You'll find a woman, oh, and you'll find love. And don't forget that there is a someone. By the way, yeah, we should add it to our bump rotation. Here, here's some more of the lyrics. And get your lust from the rich man's gold. Uh, all that you need is now in your soul. I think that means, what does that mean? That means don't be greedy. And you can do this, oh baby, if you try. All that I want for you, my son, is to be satisfied. Uh, be a simple man. Uh, boy, don't you worry. You'll find yourself. Follow your heart and nothing else. And you can do this, oh baby, if you try. Be a simple kind of man, etc. All right, there you go. I don't get that. Uh, get your lust from a rich man's gold. All that you need now is in your soul. Uh, I think it means like get your lust away from the rich man's gold. See, get it. Oh, away. Okay, got it. You see what I mean? Yep. Like get it from it. Don't, don't be lust. Don't be greedy. Is what it's saying. Here. I see. Okay. All right, so what's uh, what's your first reaction to this there's song? Some, there's some theology in here. Don't forget there's someone up above, which I think is actually an interesting choice of words. It's not there's something up above, but someone up above, which is confession of the personhood. Mm-hmm. The problem is there's we would say there's some ones up above, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, one God, three persons. Uh, but so that's the theology. It's not particularly, it's not very specific, you know. But but there is a thing. This this stands against. This song is against Epicureanism, which I'm also against, and so are all the Christians in the world. That says that hey, the God doesn't matter. So live like you want. And this song is reminding us, hey, there is a God. So you can't live what you. There's a standard that we ought to live by, and one of the marks of it is you just can't be greedy. You know, uh, you you can't be. Uh, always uh, fighting only for money. So when it says, uh, don't forget that there is someone up above, is that law? Oh, yeah. Because this one up above will wallop you if you lust after rich man's gold, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is, so this is just the song that is uh, the advice of a mom to be a simple man. And so don't be greedy. Get married. Troubles will come and they'll go. 
Uh, don't worry. Now, now, here's the interesting. Here's where the theology comes in, really. But don't you worry. You'll find yourself. <laughs> I was going to read that to you. <laughs> follow your heart and nothing else. <laughs> okay, so, so this is, you actually hear this all the time, right? Follow your heart, which I suppose can, I don't know what that means. Uh, sometimes I'm, I think it just is your instincts, you know, whatever, whatever. I mean, I don't know. Uh uh, police officers have instincts, right? And this is a good thing. They train and train and train and train so that when they're in a, a situation, they have to make a split second decision. They don't actually think they just act according to their training. That's good. Um, but, uh, but I guess maybe that's not quite instinct because it's trained, but, uh, instinct in talking about morality can oftentimes be deceiving. Yes. Uh, so that, uh, sometimes people say, follow your heart. You know, the Bible would talk about the heart as a not-so-good thing. It's like um, I had the opportunity here in the great city of Rogue River to see the water treatment plant. This is where all the sewage goes, and they take care of it. And it was a stinky, it was a stinky place. And that is your heart. Is <laughs> the, the cesspool of all sin. <laughs> it's from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, and all sorts of wickedness, says Jesus, Mark 7. Jeremiah seventeen nine. the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's again, Jeremiah. And then Evan, uh, Evan's translation is this. The heart is a water treatment plant. <laughs> Wastewater. Yes, Wastewater treatment. That's got to be pretty disgusting. <laughs> it was. And that's your heart. So, so, we, to, so, to so say the to Disney theology, heart, you, you know, the Disney theology is this. Do, do Follow your heart. All Every song, every time a princess starts singing on a cartoon, it's about following her heart. It's just, no, that's the worst. That's the worst possible advice of all. Now, we could say, there, you know, the as good, as close as you can get to that without being stupid is this. Uh, you should try to do with your life what you like to do. So you try, you know, you don't have to, but if you like to do some sort of thing and if, if you can make a vocation out of it, then, you know, God be praised. That's kind of nice. But that, not that everyone is, can do that. That is in keeping with uh, with the Ten Commandments, right? Mm-hmm. So, so not, mm-hmm. a, not, at, 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 not at the neglect of the Ten Commandments or right, the breaking right. of the commandments. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. I, I think instead we want to say, uh, follow the word, <laughs> listen to what God says yeah. uh, in His scriptures, and live life that way. Isn't it interesting that we have the Ten Commandments? This is God's will for our life that we would, you know, be faithful to our spouse, that we would uh, honor our parents, and all of these things. And yet, people are always looking for the will of God beyond the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah. That's well, right. have you mastered the ten that you want to find more? Right. Why don't you just stick to the ten? That reminds me of a Jim Gaffigan joke. Can you, I can't think of what it is. Oh, can, can you think of it in the next thirty seconds? Oh, oh yeah, I know. I know what it is. He's talking about that. He says, "We know bacon's bad for you. It's a prohibition in some religions. You can't eat bacon. It's like uh, no stealing, no killing, no cheating on your wife, no bacon." Uh, I'm in the wrong line. Can you tell me where the bacon line is? But this is how it is. It's like God says, here's the rules. And we say, uh, could you tell me some different yeah, rules? They're, they're like circumcision, fine. Bacon, no, no way. All right, we'll be right back. Table Talk Radio.
Table Talk Radio, where the table really should do the talking. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. Almost done. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. In the last segment of the program, we have a story from the Vatican. Is that right? Yes. Uh, Pope Francis says he agrees with Martin Luther about justification. This is actually posted by Denny Burke, who's a professor at Boyce College. Nice. Home of Al Mohler. So, so what I want to do is is uh, is play the statement made by um, Pope Francis. Now, the problem is that uh, he's he's not speaking in English, so we need a translator. Do you okay. think? What? Yeah, my Spanish is a little bit rough, or is it Latin? My Latin's also a little bit rough, but I'll do my best to translate whatever language he's speaking in. Okay, well, here goes. Hello, my name is Frank, also known as Antichrist the 266th. Today... I would like to talk to you about an important doctrine called justification. When you open your word processing document, you have choices for the margin. Right justification, left justification, and center justification. Oh, that was good. You you nailed it. Okay, so so Pope talking about justification. Here's the article. It was about 500 years ago that the Roman Catholic Church excommunicated Martin Luther for the teaching that led to the Protestant Reformation. Chief among these teachings was the idea that justification is by faith alone, sola fide. That is why it is baffling to read Pope Francis's recent remarks about Luther. In a recent interview, a reporter asked the Pope if he might consider lifting Martin Luther's excommunication. While the Pope did not offer to remove this excommunication, he did have something rather remarkable. He had some rather remarkable words. There's one in particular paragraph worth highlighting. Quote, this is Francis. Ready? I think that the intentions of Martin Luther were not mistaken. He was a reformer. Perhaps some methods were not correct. But in that time, if we read the story of the pastor, a German Lutheran, who then converted when he saw reality, he became Catholic. In that time, the church was not exactly a model to imitate. There was corruption in the church. There was worldliness, attachment to money, to power. And this he protested. Then he was intelligent and took some steps forward, justifying, and because he did this. And today, Lutherans and Catholics, Protestants, all of us agree on the doctrine of justification. On this point, which is very important, he did not err. He makes a medicine for the church. He made a medicine for the church. Okay. Uh, interesting. Okay. I have a few reactions to that. Um, isn't it interesting how when we want to play nice, but uh, we don't want to accept what someone is actually saying, we'll say, well, their intentions are right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the best of intentions. Um, that happened in the debate last night. What can you say nice about the other person? <laughs> you know, what? Okay, so he's not- got nice kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. His kids are not. I figured his kids would be miserable because he is. But <laughs> well, I I think that was interesting too. I mean, uh, I asked you not to compliment 
your opponent's offspring, I asked you to compliment your opponent, and yeah. you can't even do that. Anyway. Um, and then I also like the kind of backhanded compliment that Donald Trump gave to Hillary. She just doesn't quit. <laughs> she, That's right. She'll never give up. <laughs> she's been at the, She's been trying to be president for 30 years now. If it's I, never worked out. If I but win she, this election, she'll be at it again in four years. <laughs> Uh, the, I think SNL mocked that too. They're like, "I'll keep coming back. You might as well just elect me now." Anyway, that's right. The best way to get rid of me, is to elect me. <laughs> term limit. Yeah. Anyway, and then um, the other thing that was kind of ironic is like, well, you know, what do you expect a reformer? Luther was a reformer, so what's he going to do? He's going to reform. But yeah. that, that gives the implication that Martin Luther woke up one day. He goes. Uh, get my PJs, my coffee. I think I'll be a reformer today. It's a spiritual gift, you know. <laughs> it was his vocation well, in life. Well, uh, I guess if he's a reformer, it's because he was excommunicated from the church. <laughs> it's, it's really, I don't know what this means. He was a German Lutheran who then converted when he saw reality, he became Catholic. Yeah, as if it's In that time, the church things. was not exactly... I don't, that doesn't make any sense. And then, but then this, the Pope talks about how the, how corrupt the church was, which is true. The church was profoundly corrupt. It's not that much different now, but the Catholic church was kind of outwardly ridiculously corrupt back in the Middle Ages. You know, when you got, you, you got the Pope and then he's got all his, you know, when the, when the Pope is the child of the Pope, you know, mm-hmm. you know, something went wrong with his vow of celibacy <laughs> and everybody knows it. Right. Now, um, uh, the the trouble is that that Luther's chief critique of the church was not its worldliness. Yes. That was what all the other reformers, you know, Jan Hus and, and all the kind of pre-Lutheran reformers, and even during the time of the Reformation, uh, even Erasmus, you know, wrote a satirical piece on the corruption of the Catholic Church. They All, all of them went after the, the immoral life of the Pope and the, and the cardinals and all the... Uh, you know, officials of the Catholic Church, but Luther went after the doctrine. His main thing was the doctrine. He didn't start protesting the life. I mean, maybe he did a little bit with the 95 Theses, but the 95 Theses was almost an accident. It's not a real thing. The real thing was the Augsburg Confession. The real thing was the doctrine of justification. What do you mean the by real, real thing? thing? Was the, the, the real thing that marked the Lutheran Reformation was the theological statement that justification is by grace, uh, through faith, grace alone, through faith alone, and it excluded all works of merit from the from the the Lord's gift of justification, and um and that the Catholic Church has never been the Catholic Church has stood against the doctrine. The whole business of the Council of Trent is to anathematize the gospel there stated so clearly by the Lutherans who were reading the scriptures. And the Catholic Church has never done that. So it's not a matter of non of unexcommunicating Luther. That's not the thing that we would want to see. The thing that we would we would insist upon for there to be unity between the Lutherans and the Catholics is for them to renunciate the Council of Trent. Uh, uh, what about big thing. you want to talk about uh J D D J? The article actually continues. Oh, okay. and it mentions I guess not. that. I do. It's, it mentions that. <laughs> so it says, this is a rather curious statement. Again, I'm back to Denny Burke, who wrote this article. Francis argues that Lutherans, Catholics, and Protestants all agree on the doctrine of justification. These words seem to suggest that the main soteriological difference between Protestants and Catholics is no longer an issue. I have no idea what the Pope is talking about here. <laughs> it's, 
It's possible that the JDDJ, the Joint Declaration on Justification, is the background for the statement, but that statement only represented reapproachment with a particular group of liberal Lutherans. It did not establish unity with all Lutherans, much less Protestants in general. Protestants have not laid aside sola fide, and the Roman Catholic Church has not laid aside its anathema of sola fide. The issues are complex, but the divisions among the faithful are obvious and ongoing. So there you go. So if you really wanted to find some unity between either Lutherans and Catholics or Protestants and Catholics, you would want one of those two things to happen. That is to say that either um, uh, uh, Protestants no longer say that we're saved uh, through faith alone, which I don't think will happen, uh, or you need Rome to say that uh, that justification is by faith alone, which probably won't happen. Right. Yeah, it can, I mean, it can happen. I mean, the, 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 that may, it would be the Catholics would become Lutherans, and that's, that's. I mean, the Lord can do anything, I suppose, but they, they, there's no way to remain essentially Catholic and to be a Lutheran. They, they go, the differences are not accidental. They are essential. They go down to the very, very core of what it means to be a Christian, um, how the Lord works in the world, etc., uh, we should talk in a second about, since we were touching on the election, how uh, Pope Francis is affecting the American election. And I wonder about it in this sense. You know, we always talk about the, the Catholic vote, which I don't know if that's a a big deal or not. But um, with the Pope, t- uh, the current Pope being uh, much more sympathetic on kind of social issues, which tend towards uh, the left, um, I wonder if that'll play a role in the election or not this has got to be a joke that i found pope endorses donald trump (laughs) it has to be sure i'm (laughs) sure huh your local news huh that's weird is this yeah it is interesting uh uh it uh that mm, that we have a what a Catholic running for vice president, right? Uh, is isn't uh, Kane a uh, uh, stated Catholic? Yes, uh, but the problem is, you, you know, you get all sorts of moral pro. I thought it was very interesting that the kind of social conservative issues came up in the vice presidential debate and not in the um, in the presidential debate because it seems like those two Pence and Kane maybe have some sort of morals left, <laughs> so they're the ones qualified to talk about it with yeah. Hillary nobody would even listen to Hillary and and Donald talking about it but but uh but Keynes has this you know a posture on abortion that he's against it privately but for it publicly which is just the same as being for it <laughs> because you're a public person and um uh, and, and so that has kind of this absurd sort of thing and it's caused Catholics it's there's a there's a real question amongst Catholic voters about what it means to be pro-life, because that is their issue, pro-life, along with religious freedom, and that probably should be our issues too. And um, but you have all of these uh, elected officials who are state who say that they're Catholic, but they're not pro-life. Uh, they they're they're pro-abortion altogether, and that is ri- that is ridiculous. So indeed, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio, where the points are like your private religious and political convictions. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the cabalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. 